Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello everyone and welcome to Luke Law, a quick deep dive into a folklore topic where I share some of the stories from around the world that have piqued my interest. Those of you that follow my social media will know that I've been to the Bay Area just recently, having been invited over to the Alameda International Film Festival for screenings of the film I worked on, A Light Through Colored Glass. As such, I feel like celebrating by looking into some California folklore. It was such a short trip with a laser focus on the event that I didn't have time to go local source book hunting. Since I definitely intend to go back someday, and hopefully soon, I'll be looking to do some local book-led follow-up episodes. For now, however, let us give a quick look at some of the highlights of the Sunshine State as a thank you to the wonderful welcome the town of Alameda gave me. Somewhere the devil kept a pet. Luke Law being Luke Law, let us kick off proceedings by finding a terrifying body of water to point and scream in terror about. Although we may be safe from this one, Elizabeth Lake is currently dried up. A natural sag pond, a dip in the ground fresh water gathers. It is currently dry and has been since 2013 due to an ongoing drought. As such, its inhabitant is most likely not there. Although now I think about that, it may just have escaped in search of more water, so maybe not such a comforting thought after all. Let me tell you about the monster of Devil's Lake. La Laguna de Diablo, the Devil's Lake, is what the priest Junipero Serra named the place in 1780. While not being a thoroughly terrible colonizer asshole, leading a local branch of the Spanish Inquisition against the Native Americans he accused of witchcraft, Junipero Serra was an explorer of note in the New World. What would go on to be the dry basin formerly known as Elizabeth Lake, he named after a monster sworn to be seen in there, as well as what was supposed to be the terrible purpose of this strange sag pond created by tectonic movement. Sag ponds as a concept seem pretty wild to me. One day there's a patch of land, maybe something of a natural ravine that has a lot of rainwater runoff down it. Then one big earthquake later, and the rain is now filling up a massive dent in the ground. That it can suddenly appear is likely a root cause of the superstition surrounding what across the years was Devil's Lake, then Rabbit Lake, Laguna del Lebre, then for a while La Laguna de Chico Lopez, named after a man who would graze his cattle there, before finally settling on Elizabeth's Lake. 
Settlers were convinced that this was the property of the actual devil, and it was made to keep pets there. Which was nice of the devil. Mustn't be too easy to keep a pond filled in hell. Looking at it now, it doesn't seem a hell pond does well on Earth, either, but it lasted a good 200 or more years of keeping this strange abomination local to just outside of Lancaster in Los Angeles. This leads on to said pet. The Monster of Elizabeth Lake. One hint it haunted the area was how, at night, it would make incredible screaming sounds. It also appeared to be accompanied by the perpetual stench of decay, but I wonder if that was just the smell of the lake at the time. The otherworldly screaming like a banshee just stepped barefoot on some Lego is a little less explicable, however. Then there is the eyewitness accounts. I'm in two minds about how this thing is supposed to look. It's either so ridiculous it must be a tall tale, or else it is so bizarre it may be too dumb to be made up. It gets off to a good start with a description being that of some sort of dragon, estimated at 50 foot long, covered in scales, and with bat wings to zip about the air upon. What lets it down somewhat is the front end. The monster of Elizabeth Lake is said to have the head of a bulldog on top of the neck of a giraffe. Something that may be so absurdly weird it comes back around to being bonus terrifying in the dark, when it dive bombs you from the night sky screeching its giant bulldog head off. Farm animals would frequently disappear, no one wanted to build on the edge of the lake, and the monster was such a taken for fat concern in the area that in the 1800s teams were banned together in attempts to hunt and kill the giant bulldog giraffe dragon abomination from hell. The fact it is no longer there is sometimes taken for proof the hunt succeeded. It would certainly be an obvious enough sight with no water to hide in. When it was filled with water, La Laguna del Diablo was rumoured to have a door to hell at the bottom, so the monster may have been reclaimed by hell as the devil tries to work out how to refill a giant nightmare pet pool. The strange yet compelling, terrifying chimeric abomination may have been driven to a new habitat by the drought, so good luck anywhere this thing does turn up. So then, California listeners taking a nighttime wander around freshwater lakes? If you get hit by a stench of decay, the beat of giant wings, and the screech of an angry crime against nature, don't waste time pointing and laughing at it, hit the deck and hope it isn't aiming for you. A ghost you can summon, but rarely shouldn't. Oh look, more water to not go into. February turned into a bit of a water theme. This is one from San Francisco itself, which I passed through to and from Alameda. The Golden Gate Park, which I now really want to visit upon my touristy return to go and see Stow Lake. This is something of an aesthetically classic spectre, in that Stow Lake has a white lady haunting it. Her tale is one of tragedy. Out enjoying the park one day, through dire misfortune her baby is dropped into the lake. The mother doesn't hesitate, and dives in fully clothed wearing a heavy fancy dress. While her instant response is something anyone could empathise with, especially a parent, her determination goes horribly wrong and she drowns herself. I'm not sure if the baby was rescued or not, but her search went on to continue from beyond the grave, supposedly continuing on even to this day. The white lady can be seen wandering the lakeside at night, still wearing the heavy dress that dragged her down to her end in the water. She will frantically search for her forever lost baby, apparently most active near the pioneer mother statue. Maybe this is near where the original accident happened, or maybe the statue having children as a part of it draws her near. She isn't normally bothered by people, but the foolish can attempt to call her attention to them. There's a phrase you can say three times to attempt to summon her. White lady, white lady, I have your baby. White lady, white lady, I have your baby. White lady, white lady, I have your baby. If she believes you, you are now in for a whole world of trouble. So, good luck anyone listening to this near the Pioneer Mother statue right now. 
the panicked apparition, in an endless state of frantic desperation, will come rushing over to you and ask if you have a baby. If you answer that you do, you will now be haunted by the spirit for the rest of your life, as she keeps checking in with you at night as part of her search. That's the best possible outcome. If you tell her you do not, in fact, have a baby, she'll fly into a rage at you having wasted her time, and she'll drag you into Stow Lake to drown you. I kind of understand where the white lady is coming from here. To get to this point, you did just taunt an emotionally turbulent ghost that was pretty busy going about its business. The obvious answer here is to not summon the white lady. Failing that, I don't actually know the right answer to give, beyond lie you do have the baby and attempt some form of exorcism or banishment while out of lake drowning range. Similar folklore would suggest a nonsense answer to confuse the entity and make your getaway. You may also try misdirection, pointing and saying you saw the baby over somewhere else, but the white lady doesn't seem to take too kindly to be made fun of after a frantic search is interrupted. If you're determined to go ghost hunting at Stow Lake, keep your mouth shut and camera ready around the Pioneer Mother statue. Definitely do not taunt the spirit. Even if you get away with it somehow, it seems in pretty bad taste given why she continues her desperate search of the waterside. The Tragic Mooing in the Night Bit of a sad one now, and also another mother searching for a lost child to follow on from the white lady, but a ghost cow is a bit of an irresistible tale to me. This is also linked to somewhere I passed through my journey over there. It was in the day, in a taxi, so there was no chance of an encounter, but the San Francisco to Oakland Bay Bridge uses Yerba Buena Island as a midway point across the bay. It also vaguely ties into my visit of the plant-based fast food restaurant Mr. Charlie's, where I enjoyed a meat-free frowny meal. This is a short and not-so-sweet story, sadly. If you are around Yerba Buena Island at night, so visiting the island itself, the bridge over it, boating around it, or part of the relatively recent housing initiatives that only first sprang up in 2007, then you may hear something odd wandering around the shoreline. A forlorn mooing as a strange spectre works its way around the island at night searching for something it loved dearly and lost. Originally the site of an old one fishing village, the island has had a storied history of multiple name changes, assortedly being Pelican Island, Goat Island, Wood Island, and Yerba Buena multiple times before settling upon that one. It's been many things over the years, but of all things what caused its haunting was pirates. Before California was a state, all kinds of unsavoury characters would use the islands to get about undetected. Yerba Buena especially was a site of military interest across the years because of its perfect placement to be a staging point when the mists roll in. If you don't hold the island for yourself, someone can easily abuse it to come and go as they please under the cover of weather. The flip side to it being that the verdant little patch of land makes for a great farm that's naturally corralled by the bay, which is how we got a stint as Goat Island and must surely be why this story is about cows, as I don't think that particular animal is best known for its swimming prowess. So here we have a perfect sneaking point with farmers to steal food off of. Enter the pirates. I haven't found a story naming any names, but in this Wild West time a group used Yerba Buena Island to shelter overnight, and one of the pirates had a fun idea when raiding livestock for a meal. Why have beef when you can have veal? They snatch up a calf to show off to the rest of their crew, living the high life with the tender younger meat. This led to disturbed sleep for the pirates, as while they tried to rest, the mother of this poor calf would look everywhere for her child. Unable to settle down, she wandered about everywhere she could, mooing in the dark trying to find the missing baby cow. I for one hope the pirates got not one jot of sleep. They then move on the next day, but so the stories go, the cow never rested. She would barely ever stop in place as she constantly roamed the island searching in desperation. 
This did not end in death, and across the years, the phantom cow of Yerba Buena can still be heard on some nights. So, good luck everyone who will eventually live there. For a tragically sad cow moves in the night, looking for her lost calf some pirate git ate as much for fun as anything else. It is at least a loving ghost, and not a vengeful murder cow spectre. For a very odd souvenir, you could for a while get a perfume called the Phantom Cow of Yerba Buena Island. It sadly discontinued, it being an event-exclusive perfume oil, but it was made with the local herbs that gave Yerba Buena its name. I kind of love that it exists, would like to encounter some in a collection out in the wild sometime, and hope it gets another run at some point. A little digging online reports it has a fresh milk and sweetened herb smell, which fortunately doesn't sour as it dries, instead taking on a hint of sea spray smell. Huh. Luclaw has now had its first folklore perfume spot. The Spirits That Never Escaped I mentioned right at the start I didn't have much time for anything but the film festival, so I didn't get to do anything much touristy, but I know something that's near the top of my list for a return to the Bay Area, going to see Alcatraz. Weirdly connected to the last story, as it gets its name from Isla de Alcatraces, or Island of the Pelicans, which is one of the many names Yerba Buena had over the years that an English naval officer transferred over to what would eventually become the Penitentiary Island, going on to just be simplified as Alcatraz. Believers in the para-weird aren't going to be surprised that a rock made to contain and amplify human suffering went on to be pretty bloody haunted. Alcatraz is, in fact, frequently touted as America's most haunted prison. It got off to a great start by always being considered cursed with evil spirits by the Miwok Native Americans, so of course the European invaders piled into it like a middle-class family in a haunted house movie. As far back as 1859 there are records of the unwelcoming lump of sandstone being used as a prison. People incarcerated there over the early years were used as free labour to make what was at the time of the turn of the 20th century the largest reinforced concrete structure in the world. So, for those of you keeping track at home, it's a cursed unwelcoming rock that forced labour turned to a fortress designed for maximum misery. It then promptly had an incredibly violent track record. The FBI shoved its most notorious criminals in there to make a point, with inmates dying at alarming rates between frequent conflict and the incarcerated taking their own lives. The extraordinary corpse count was not at all helped, or helped a lot depending on your perspective, by the in-house executions. Both hangings and the electric chair were used to clear up death rate inmates on a regular basis. Now a national park site of national heritage, the poor employees who maintain it have regular strange experiences, especially in Block C where the majority of the historical deaths occurred. Nighttime is played by strange clanging noises from cells that stop if a watchman opens them. Mysterious crashes and screams can erupt from any cell block. Corridors and walkways will randomly have phantom runners sprint along them and sometimes through any given witness experiencing them. While there just seems to be general low-level hell on earth activity across the whole of Alcatraz, there's also some specific standout hauntings. Rising to the top of all present notoriety is definitely Cell 14D. This is one of the holes misbehaving inmates got shoved into as punishment. This type of solitary isolation these days has restrictions in its use enforced by the United Nations due to how psychologically damaging the practice is. One inhabitant of 14D called Ruth McCain was confined in there for three whole years after an escape attempt. Almost immediately after being let out, he stabbed another inmate to death, but wasn't held responsible for murder due to a ruling that he was so psychologically damaged by his term in the hole that he could not be considered mentally competent anymore. Perhaps unsurprisingly, there's a permanent deep chill in cell 14D, 
and it's one of the more frequent participants of the nighttime calamitous noises. It may have always been bonus cursed. Cell 14D is the one that has a story on official record of an inmate beginning to scream hysterically the moment the door was closed to seal him in. The terrified inmate claimed the second he was alone, some unnatural thing appeared to glare at him with glowing red eyes. While I'm generally iffy on the nature of mediums, one interesting detail that has come up across the years is that any attempt to get the ghost to move on has been met with refusal. Something is holding the accumulated spectral inhabitants locked in place there. They either can't, or won't, move on from the cursed prison that claimed them in life. I mean, that's certainly an effective lockup, although I would insist it was still a bad idea to make a little slice of hell to shove people into to suffer. I follow more of an ideological rehabilitation approach to crime and punishment. But if you really want to throw away the key on someone, Alcatraz is more than qualified. The Bay Bridge Guardian Okay, very quick bonus round on this one. It doesn't make much of a story segment, but I love it, so it had to have a spot on the episode. The 1989 Loma Prieta earthquake was a doozy, to put it mildly. With a magnitude of 6.9 on the Richter scale, it killed 63 people and injured nearly 4,000 more. When local ironworkers repaired a collapsed span of the Bay Bridge, they included something out of sight on the eastern part. The motorist couldn't see what blacksmith Bill Roan included, and it was kept a secret from his employers. It was not likely to be found by anyone else by accident, although some maintenance staff and the ironworkers knew about it. An 18-inch tall iron troll was left under the rebuilt section of the bridge to protect it and its travellers from any future disasters. This Guardian troll went on to do a great job. For 24 years they were an effective good luck charm, eventually being relieved from their shift watching over the bridge on Labour Day in 2012, as the portion they called home was formally closed and replaced with a new section of bridge. The new bridge has its own new troll living out of reach of sunlight, not something a troll is known to do well with, and apparently they are in view of the bike and pedestrian path if you know where to look. There's a replica of the original troll at the Oakland Museum of California, and the original is likely to find a public home as a part of their retirement at some point. Given that no earthquake so much has caused a closure on the bridge on their watch, let alone destroyed a section, they've earned a nice dark spot somewhere they can be remembered for their work. If you want a real-life horror story from the area, keep an eye out for the Campfire Tales episode I was interviewed on. As well as a good amount of discussion on what led me to becoming a folklorist, there's a full story of my Oakland misadventures from the start of my trip to the Bay Area. It'll be shared about on social media when it's ready, and I'll see if Brennan can link it to the bottom of this episode's transcript on lukelaw.com when it's ready so it's easy to find. It's quite the tale. I definitely intend to return to the area, I want my turn as a tourist after only having been passing through on a film festival run. I loved what I did get to enjoy over in Alameda though, so I'll be hoping to do an Alameda specific show at some point. Failing that, there's certainly more to talk about in the Bay Area and wider California beyond. Part of my future tourist rampage will definitely include folklore hunting. Luke Law is a Ghost Story Guys production. If you do want to contact me, there's the show's dedicated email, lukelawgsg at gmail.com, and the general show email, ghoststoryguys at gmail.com. Both myself and the main show are really easy to find on Facebook and Twitter if you want to make day-to-day -day contact, as well as there being a very active Instagram account a lot of the community gets involved with. If you do want to support the show directly, check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash ghoststoryguys. We do have Luke Law merchandise available at the Ghost Story Guys online store. Feel very free to show off any you do get online. We have an ongoing push to promote Luke Law more, and the dedicated Facebook group for the show is now live if you want to come join us over there. 
As ever, though, the absolute best thing anyone can do to support the show is to give it a listen. Share this around if you think you may know someone who may be interested, leave a review if you get the chance to help signal boost me, and most of all, I simply hope you enjoy what I'm doing here. Goodbye for now. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Saving money on exterior wall lights. Now at Menards. Find your style with Patriot Lighting. Exterior lights enhance the look of your home. Choose from over 50 options from Patriot Lighting. Now through May 19th, get $10 instant savings on a single qualifying purchase of $100 or more on in-stock outdoor wall lights. Check out our entire selection of outdoor lights and see the rest of our deals happening now on Menards.com. Save big.